Hello, and welcome back to the Tulo Center podcast. This is Julie Holloway from the Tulo Center team. We're back with another alumni episode where members of our alumni community chat about their experiences in their work. In this episode, we welcome back Carlene George from Penticton Indian Band and Crystal Thiessen and Deanna Honeyman from Chiacton First Nation. Carlene, Crystal, and Deanna all serve as tax administrators in their First Nations, and today they talk about common questions they receive from taxpayers and how they address them, how they navigate difficult conversations, and how they build strong relationships with their taxpayers through regular and consistent communication. Let's get to it. I'd just like for you to each introduce yourselves, and then we'll start talking about how we go about taxpayer communications working in the roles that we are. So uh, with that, I'll turn it over to you, Carlene. Hi, my name is Carlene George. I'm a member of the Penticton Indian Band. Uh, I worked for the band for a total of approximately 22 years. I've worked in property tax for 13 of those years. Uh, I love my job, and... I'm excited to be here today. Hi, I'm Crystal Thiessen. I've um, been an employee here at Chiactan First Nation for four and a half years, and I've worked in taxation basically since the beginning. I'm looking forward to today to sharing stories about the taxpayers because it's it's always there's always lots of little tidbits. So I'm looking forward to it. Glad to be here. I'm Deanna Honeyman. I am the Lands and Property Taxation Manager at Chiactan First Nation. I'm also a member of the Seashell Indian Band. I have um, had the privilege and honor to work for Chiacton for the past 13 years. And yeah, also very excited to be here uh, to have this conversation today. Thank you. So I know you've all been working in these roles for uh, quite a while and that you've had lots of interesting questions over the time um, that, that you've been working with taxpayers. So what are some of those common questions that you do get and uh, how do you address them? Um, I think the most common one that I get uh, is how come I can't drive on that private road when I pay the taxes, pay the taxes to the band? And so my go-to for that is because you pay taxes to the band doesn't automatically give you band member rights. And I give them example that if I pay the city of Penticton property taxes and I lived in Penticton and I see a private road sign, I won't be driving on that road. So it's just the same thing. And I try to make it as basic and simple as possible. Some of them are like, oh, okay, they understand, and some just want to keep on pushing that. But it basically boils down to because you pay taxes to the band does not automatically give you band member rights. Yeah, one of the questions that I get a lot, and I actually we even have it on our website as a as a commonly asked question or frequently asked question is why do I pay taxes when I don't own the land? Um, and that's a big one. And, um, you know, I mean, really, you're using and occupying the land. So, of course, you have to pay taxes. I mean, I think if you look at any kind of definition of taxes is, um, you know, even as renters, you have to, uh, I think our, our, our lawyer even said, if you are a squatter, technically squatters have to pay um, taxes. But of course, that wouldn't be realistic to ever uh, collect on that. But um, we get that a lot. It's like, well, I, I'm, I don't own the land. Why am I paying taxes? And it's like, well, you're using, you're using all of the services um, that go along with it. And that's why you pay the taxes. So that's one of the big questions we get. I would have to say probably the most common question, and it definitely comes up every year. It's usually the new residents that have moved in and they're asking, why do I have to pay taxes if I live on First Nation land versus they're not living on city land? Um, how do I address them? Well, it depends on how they respond, 
but um, I go into explaining that there is a services agreement with the city of Chilliwack and it provides their services like um, their sewer and they pay, it helps pay for the roads and everything. And, and sometimes they don't always look convinced. Um, we mostly have seniors. So I, <laughs> I end up saying something along the lines of, well, you know, look at this way. If, if you were to have a heart attack and you still want that ambulance to come into Chiacton to pick you up, this is what your taxes are paying for. And basically they start writing the checkout because then they understand. And, and Deanna is, is, is my manager. And every once in a while, like when I say those types of things, she'll peek her head around and go, you didn't really. And I say, yeah, I actually did say that because sometimes they need to, um, I found for some of them, they needed to understand exactly how it, it affects them personally and, um, and how they benefit themselves, not seeing like the bigger picture, but like bringing it right down to the ambulance coverage or the fire coverage, um, versus the bigger, like the fact that it does go to the city. And, and then when they, when I explain it all to them, they do understand for the most part, but the ambulance is probably, and like I said, most of them are, are very senior, uh, so they they do often have um, health conditions. So for them, that's what hits home, and and it usually addresses the issue, and and they're good after that. I, I think with Chiacton as well, like we we don't have any infrastructure here at Chiacton. Like we don't have our own water or sewer. It's all with the city of Chilliwack, and so we have this um, uh, agreement. Uh, with them. And we do have a revenue sharing, whereas Chiacton only retains 25% of those tax revenues that come in really for administration costs. And 75% goes back to the city of Chilliwack. So um, what I think a lot of the the people, they, they're looking to see, well, I don't see any work being done, or how is this benefiting? You know, I'm paying you know, the same amount of taxes and it's the, you know, it's the, the rates keep going up and the, the value keeps going up and I'm not seeing anything being done here. What are you doing here on Chiacton? Whereas, you know, really what they're, they're not getting is that the money is actually going into the city of Chilliwack and it's the, you know, they're, there is a there's a list of you know items that have to be done throughout the whole city and so sometimes it does affect Chiacton or the roads leading into Chiacton um but it may not happen that year it could happen in five years after you know a fund has kind of grown um and then sometimes Chiacton is put money aside and we're doing work specifically as well like we're you know we've upgraded our sports field or the community center um built a turf field, whereas that is for the whole community. It's not just for Chiacton, it's for all of Chilliwack. But maybe some of those seniors who live here at Chiacton maybe don't utilize that, so they're not seeing it. But, you know, trying to make them understand that it's it's not just the money stays with Chiacton 100%, and it's not all that money is going to to do infrastructure work or, or whatever kind of work needs to get done. It does go into that bigger um, pot of funds that are for the city of Chilliwack. So it's really trying to make them understand how that whole that all works and and is put together. It gets a little bit, you know, it is a little confusing because they're not used to that. You know, they're used to, if they, you know, lived in Chilliwack or Surrey or Vancouver, they're, they're used to seeing work being done and they're paying the taxes to that municipality. Whereas with us, yeah, they're paying it to Chiacton, but really it's being paid to the municipality of Chilliwack, right? So it's, it's a little bit, you know, trying to make them understand that. And it's definitely an education 
piece of things, right? We really have to explain that whole process. So so Deanna, you mentioned that Chiacton has a frequently asked questions page. Carleen, I'm curious if you do too uh, for Penticton Indian Band. Um, and if you find that people go and refer to that before they come and see you, or do you find that you're pointing people to that page for information and um do the questions that you get change over time or for the most part, because people are kind of moving on uh, to into the community and maybe a way that you're addressing some of these questions over and over again? Or I'm just curious how, um, yeah, you use a frequently asked questions page if you have it. And then if you find that you are um, answering the same questions or if the questions change kind of the longer people live in the community. Yeah, we try to keep our um, PIB property tax webpage up to date. We're Every other week we're on it, updating something or updating a newsletter and posting a newsletter on there. And we do have the questions. And a lot of ours are, well, our lease is up. And the the lease is, um, it's only for 15 years. And if we're going to buy and move in, what's going to happen after 10 years and deaths and new registration and stuff. So yeah, we update our page constantly. And I do refer to the webpage when taxpayers call. And then you get the ones that are like, well, I don't have access to the internet. So I will go on to the web page and I'll read it literally almost line by line and and then they feel okay, awesome. I'll call in and I, I always say call in whenever you want. So our webpage definitely works and our, the majority of our taxpayers do enjoy it. Yeah, I think one of the things that we struggle with we have um we're 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 in, we're in a construction zone right now, you know? I mean, there's so much building, there's so many new people coming in um regularly that we are getting the same questions that are on the website only because most people don't know that we have a website. What we what we did a few months ago um, when we were noticing we were getting a lot of calls, we actually created a brochure and we passed it out to the sales centers of these new developments. So there's, you know, really three main developments that are that are right now in the selling stages, uh, constructing and selling. And so we passed out these brochures so that they could use that um, as part of their, um, you know, their final sales package. So this brochure is going to have a lot of the information um, like these frequently asked questions and processes. Where do we go? Like, what do we do? Um, and then I would also lead them to the website for some more information, you know, like to talk about checked and laws and, 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 you know, processes and stuff. So we kind of took that, maybe it was a little reactionary, but trying to be a little bit more proactive um, with all of the new construction and, and the new developments and new people moving in. Um, and I know the sales offices, they were like, thank you. This is great. This was so helpful that, that they were able to pass that out to, to their new the new owners coming in. That's a really great idea. Yeah, we also kind of put in a, like a little info sheet um, every year with our taxes so that when the tax notices go out, they have their little info sheet that says, here's how to pay, here's where you can go look, here's all the websites. And then we have close contact with all the, the locations, HOAs. So if something new does come up, we send an email to the HOA and they get it out to all of the residents. So it kind of works out that way. Carleen, we get questions as well. And and we'll say, oh, yeah, that was all in the brochure. And and how many of them say they thrown it out and didn't read it? Yeah. Like, because we get so many that say that. And we're like, and I, I told one of them, I go, we work really hard on that. Like, like in a really nice way. I said, we work really hard on that. And he goes, and they go, I'm so sorry. I promise I'll read it next time. Like, I actually said that to them. But do you get a lot that say that they don't read it or that they threw it away? Or Yeah, we get that. And we definitely, or we're honest like that too. We say, well, we took the time to 
do that. And we wanted it out there so that every single person's getting it at the same time. And then I always bring up due diligence, taxpayer due diligence. They have to, they have to do their part in order for what we're doing to work properly. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, we even have that on our website too. It's like, it's the responsibility of the homeowner to ensure that they get their property tax notice or that they, you know, pay it on time. It's their responsibility and uh, kind of put that back on them because absolutely it is your responsibility, you know. That's really great. And we actually got a comment on our YouTube uh, live. So we've talked a little bit about residential taxpayers. So our question uh, is for non-residential taxpayers, what are some of their main questions and concerns? For PIB, we have we don't have a whole lot of business and uh, recreation, so it's mostly the residential that have all the questions. The business is kind of like, am I hooked up to whatever? And yep, okay, good, thanks. <laughs> so that's usually the businesses are almost the easiest to deal with. Yeah, I, I would say exactly the same. We, you know, we definitely have way more residential than we do commercial, but we do have, um, you know, a handful. Um, for the most part, it's pretty they they don't have a lot of questions they just pay their taxes um i think they're just used to it it's you know there's no grants that they have to apply for there's no you know the the biggest question we had was when there was a big increase for like light industrial um uh values but i mean again beyond our control we're not doing the valuation you know you're able to pass that back to bc assessment that kind of thing but um for the most part no our businesses they they just they just pay. (laughs) Yeah, they do. Like there's not a lot of like, other than there was one, one or two businesses, I think a new business that just uh, came on and asked to make a payment arrangement because they weren't prepared for it. They didn't realize it uh, in their lease. So, and we worked with them and they were thankful, but um, other than that, I don't, think we did have really, we didn't really have any issues. That's really great to hear. So I am assuming that sometimes these, um, these conversations or these questions are getting asked that it might lead to some difficult conversations at times. And I'm sure you've had your fair share of difficult conversations. So just curious how you navigate that. Um, what are some of the strategies you use to overcome these conversations and move forward? Um, yeah, how do you handle those tricky ones? I think for for us, it just really boils down to like respect and dignity and um, not using ignorance as a bliss, which um, some of them have used. Um, I think a lot of them think that because they live on reserve, that our laws are not legit and we're in a whole different world. So it's like explaining to them right down to the basics, always referencing the adjacent jurisdiction I just try to always do that. And well, if we lived here and if we lived there, it's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. Um, I think when it comes down to like um, outright racism, for example, which we do deal with every single year, being the frontline workers as tax administrators and dealing with hundreds of taxpayers, um, sometimes we've just had to say, we prefer if you pay online or if you just send your payment in the mail. That way you don't have to deal with us and we don't have to deal with you. And it works out. We've had some taxpayers who we haven't seen for years because of what they've done. And we do have signs in our office that say we will will not tolerate um, disrespect or verbal abuse or whatever. And it's supported by chief and counsel. So we've had to reference the, the signs on the wall telling them we don't live back in that time anymore because we've had excuses of, well, it was okay to call Indian women that back in our day. Well, it's 2022. That's not okay now. So I think just 
explaining the culture even and explaining what it's like to be a, a taxing First Nations authority and that we are the same as any other municipality. Yeah, I, I you know, I think to, you know, very similar to what Carlene is talking, um, really showing that, yeah, we have laws and that we have the jurisdiction um, and the authority to have those laws and, and then what is in the laws. I think that's important to say, you know, to the fact that we know the laws and be able to share what is in there so that they can actually you know, there is a, there is authority. It's not just us saying these things. It's not just making it up or, you know, whatever, but there is, there is backing to those laws. And, um, you know, even like on the website, you know, we have like, you know, um, where they can go to the FNTC website or, um, you know, various jurisdiction websites that they can go to, to see like where, you know, if they need, because some people like to do all that research and stuff, but really just really saying, Hey, we have these laws and this is where we get that authority from. Um, and, and again, a little bit sharing with the municipality, I think like what Carlene is saying, well, this is what you would do off reserve. And we try to mimic, like, you know, that's really important. Like uh, with a lot of our laws, not just with the taxation laws, but even the land laws, like we really try to mimic, what the city of Chilliwack is doing so that there's not a lot of differences. Obviously we're going to tweak it to make it for Chiacton, but um, you know, same as like, you know, the tax, the due date is the same as what you would do for Chilliwack. Right. So trying to keep it um, consistent that way so that there's, you know, less, you know, less confusion, less misunderstanding. Um, but again, it's just, it's just keeping that calm communication open because and and trying to educate them making that transition coming coming on to reserve from living off reserve to living on reserve making it as fluid as possible so that they're not seeing a huge difference when they move having the same due dates like Deanna said and most for the most part there isn't a lot of difficult conversations that we have um when it gets really difficult I just refer them to Deanna because she's the manager, <laughs> but, or, or actually, you know, if Deanna's not available, our other officer and myself, what we would do is say, would you like to speak to our senior officer? And we've given them the impression. Now they're speaking to somebody that has more authority than ourselves, even though we're at the same level and they'll just reiterate what we say because we can hear each other's conversations, but um, between uh, Hayden and myself here, I'll say, would you like to speak to our senior officer? And he will just come in and say the exact same thing. And then they feel justified that they've spoken to a manager um, if Deanna's not available. And if it's really difficult, we'll refer them up to Deanna. Deanna is already, we pre-position it with Deanna. So she's prepared for that. So she already has the answers ready that she needs to have ready if need be. Thankfully, we don't get a lot of racism. Not like yeah. Carlene, like that, that's horrible that it, that it is 20 2022 and we're still getting that we haven't really encountered that um when we first enacted the property transfer tax law we got we got a little bit of that like how how are you people and like i love that you people how are you people allowed to do these laws and you know why are you people going to uh, charge us taxes and, and property taxes? And, and we're not going to be able to sell our houses anymore because you are doing this and that. So again, you know, there was a little bit of that, but again, just educating people and explaining, well, no, it's, 
we do have the authority. We can do that. And you would be doing this the same as if you were off reserve. Um, we're, we're trying to bridge that gap. Why, why should there be differences because you live on reserve? We noticed that big change with the, with the valuation. I mean, I would say 15 years ago, the land was valued lower because it was on reserve. Why? We're in the city of Chilliwack. It shouldn't have been valued any different. Now it's not. It's exactly the same, um, which is great. You know, it's what we wanted. Um, why should our laws be any different too? And why should you have different um, just because you're on reserve? And, and we get that a lot. Well, I thought I was on reserve, so I didn't have to do that. Well, you still have to do that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get like frantic calls sometimes like, oh my God, I've never lived on a reserve before. Like, what do I do? Like, I'm, I don't know. And I'm like, calm down. We use BC assessment. We have B- we have RDOS. We use um, the same BC Homeowner Grant Association um, standards. And they're like, oh, really? Yeah, we still do the same thing. <laughs> we still offer the homeowner grant. It's coming out of our own budget, but we still offer it because... And then, and then they're like, oh, okay. So we're not really going into a whole new world. Absolutely. Yeah, we... Yeah. 100%. When we are able to explain to them that dollar for dollar, they're taxed at the same rate as people that are living in the city of Chilliwack, that also helps because they realize that it's 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 straight across. It's not, they're not taxed at a different rate. They're not paying different rates. They're being, they're paying the same rate per thousand dollars of value in their home than somebody who doesn't live on reserve. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I mean, there are some um, First Nations that are going to have their own tax rates. They're going to have, you know, budget-based tax rates. Um, Chiacton doesn't. We adopt the rates from the city of Chilliwack. So that's another way that we're able to uh, hopefully give some um, better understanding of how we do things is that we're actually just adopting the rates from the city of Chilliwack. So this is the city's rates. This is our rates. And, the, the and you know, again, the valuation, BC assessment. So it's all would be exactly the same as if you lived off reserve. So it's no different. Um, so that is something that, you know, also helps once, you know, when we get some new people coming into onto uh, Chiacton. Yeah, well, for PIB, we're on a five-year tax rate transition increase plan. So this year is our fourth year. So for the four years prior, we had taxpayers who were paying way below the city of Penticton. And so when they got onto this plan, it was it was mayhem, complete mayhem. And um, trying to explain to them when they ask, well, why am I going to pay the same as the city? I don't definitely don't get the same services as them. And it's like, well, yeah, of course, because we have no money to even do anything. We can't improve our services, having the lowest tax rates in all of BC. So explaining to them that when we match the city of Penticton, we will have the revenue to be able to improve our services and offer you guys better, offer you guys the same. So it's taken four out of the five for them to understand that, but... <laughs> We'll see what happens. Is that the same for like new construction then? Like they're paying the same lower rate then and they're just on that transition as well? Uh, We have District 2 and District 1. So all of our taxpayers in District 2 who have started from the very beginning, 2008 up until now, are on that plan. But anything um, uh, after that, they're automatically uh, referencing the jurisdiction. It sounds like you get a lot of questions kind of either at the beginning when somebody's new, kind of moving on to the community or when there's a big change. Is that accurate? Do you find that it's really around the big changes or the new that you spend a lot of time um, in these conversations? Are there are there conversations that come up 
outside of those kind of periods of time? Tax time, like right at the start, as soon as they get their tax notices, um, that would be a very heavy time where we're getting lots of calls or people stopping in here at Chiacton anyway. So that would be like the month of June, really. And we will maybe even start getting phone calls in May, looking to see when they're going to get their tax notices, um, when they're going to get some information. And then um, we would have to let them know that we can't, we don't actually get the rates from the city until first week of May. And so we can't even give them any kind of estimates until mid-May. So, so we're starting to get calls, I would say May and then for sure all of June, which is when the tax notices have gone out and they're seeing the tax notices for the first time. They're maybe reading the newsletter that we've put into the, to the tax notice mail out. And, and then, you know, there's that little bit of, you know, uncertainty, what, what needs to be done and that kind of thing. So that would be the biggest time. And then of course, because we're getting so many new people moving in, because there's so much construction happening and, and new new uh, sales happening. It, it is a little bit year round because of that, but um, so there's I would but for sure I would say the the biggest time is is that month of June. Yeah, um, I would say when when we get new residents and they want to come in and set up prepayment for their taxes, they'll come in and they'll ask quite a few questions at that time. And most of them are pleasant. They thank me for all the information and a lot of it's new to them. And they go, Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, that's wonderful. Or, or what have you. And, and um, you know, and like just last week I had somebody in like that where they were new from New Brunswick and they wanted to know how it all worked. And uh, we, I was taking their void check for their, for prepayment for their taxes. So we do get a few of those as well. And it's actually quite nice when it's not during tax time because you don't feel so rushed because we have so many people coming in that you actually can sit and take the time with them. And once they're on prepayment plans, we really don't see them much again, but you know, they do come in for other things as well, but uh including dog licenses. So I do see them for those when they're coming in They're you know, they, sometimes they don't understand or they don't know. And once we explain it all to them, they're, they're usually, they leave content. Like they don't, they don't seem to leave um, frustrated or upset and they're thankful. And, and, you know, they'll start telling us their life, start telling me their life stories while they're here and, and stuff like that. But uh, I mean, we're fortunate. I haven't had really anything happen like what Carlene has explained other than I have had the, how do you, how do you people think it's okay to do this? And, and it's like, first of all, we are not you people. And that's, (laughs) I just say that. I just, I just say it right to them. And and and, and usually it's, it's, and it sounds really horrible, but it's the old, like the really old um, people that do that. And, and they apologize right away. Cause they can you know, but it's still, it's still, they've said it right. But um, for the most part, it's been pretty pleasant. Like the taxpayers have all been pretty pleasant when they come in. Um, I find the questions happen probably a month after the due date because then they know that they have the penalties and the interest and they're calling in like, well, how can we have to pay taxes all of a sudden? I'm like, whoa, you've been a taxpayer for like eight years. Come on. So <laughs> that happens still. But um, I just, again, go back to the basics. Sometimes I have to pull out the tax law and read it from front to back to them. And if that's what I have to do, that's what I have to do. And uh, they appreciate that. And some of the questions that are just ignorant questions, then they're like, oh, um, okay, never mind. I'll send it. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
story of a month yeah. late, but yeah, it's good. I mean, we get, we do get a few that come in and Deanna can attest to that when, when we had a big increase in the mobile home parks and we had those, those ones that came in that had never paid more than a hundred dollars. We had some that came in in tears because their taxes had gone up from a hundred dollars to three or $400. And they were like, I don't know how I'm going to buy groceries this month, but we were able to sit them down and say, you know what, we're going to work with you. We're going to, you know, that's the difference between us and the city is that we can work with you. We'll come up. What can you afford? And let's get you on prepayment for next year. And I have, I get little notes from people still, I ha- I was going through some files the other day. It was, Crystal, thank you so much for making our life so much easier by doing this for us. So even though like it wasn't me personally, like it's just something that we want, we don't want the taxpayers to starve, right? Like we don't want them. And you can see that it's a legitimate, um, like, like for me, that was more of the difficult conversations than them being rude or ignorant. It was more about the, the, the ones where their spouses have died this year and the spouse was the one that took care of all the paperwork and they're coming in and like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to begin. I don't know, you know, and then they break down in tears because they're sad because they miss their spouse and they're overwhelmed. And that's the real difficult conversations for me is when they're, when there's, when they're trying to, um, navigate and not be overwhelmed. And when I say, you know what, let's just, take it one thing at a time and we'll work through this and we'll, we'll figure it out. And what can you afford? And you know, when we work with them and we tell them like, like one lady, she was like, I can only afford $70 a month. And she did that. And she came in right on time. That's $70. But I think that if we hadn't done that, she wouldn't have paid them at all and would have gotten herself into trouble. So I think that would probably be the most difficult conversations is just trying to work with the people that come in that are panicking and stressed out about not being able to afford their taxes. Yeah, I think that's a good insight too, because yeah, you sort of think difficult and you think that's like the, you know, aggressive or the the mean or, or you know, but yeah, there is the difficulty of, yeah, you know, their taxes have gone up, you know, the mobile homes especially, and they are on a fixed income. They're living, you know, they've been used to paying that and, um, and, and Crystal made a good point, you know, because we are not you know, the municipality, we are a little bit more flexible. We can work with them to come up with a payment plan. And we've done that many times, mm-hmm. um, you know, set up a plan, worked with them and then, and they're paying it and they're very good about coming in or, or if they're sending payments or however they're doing it to come in and they, they are doing it. And yeah, you're right. Like we're getting the money. Otherwise we may not get the money. And then we have to go through the whole you know, sale of the pro or, you know, the process and, you know, no one wants to do that. And, um, you know, so, so the fact that we can be a little bit more flexible, you know, and, and listen to their stories, why were they late? You know, obviously the person with the Porsche, we're not going to be too (laughs) sympathetic, but some people we are, it's like, you know, we just, you know, we do take it a case by case and, and really look at, you know, the situation so that, you know, we have that, um, it's nice that we can be that flexible, right? We don't have to be just so, you know, cut and dry. Some we are cut and dry. It depends, right? But well, exactly, exactly. I agree, Deanna. Like, like we know we after a while you get you get good at figuring out which ones are are just saying it because they don't want to pay, and the ones that are legitimately in in a situation where they're not going to be able to afford their groceries or they're not going to be able to pay this other bill. And they've come in and they say, Hey, I really, you know, and, and 
I think we only have a couple left that have one or two payments left. We're in October. We usually try to get them to pay within two to three months. And then we start them on a prepayment plan for next year so that this doesn't happen again. And they're really good about it. I think when we share the same the same experience or the same issue, um, because living on reserve myself and having taxpayers that I live like right down the road from, and they come in complaining about um, the ambulance not being able to get to their place within two, five minutes, because the ambulance from my house is actually only five minutes away. And the reserve boundaries is a huge issue when it comes to ambulance mapping and the ambulance being able to find a house on reserve in a timely manner that that's going to make a difference for the better. And so hearing taxpayers constantly complain because they live on the reserve, the ambulance isn't getting to them on time. And I'm like, well, geez, living on reserve my whole life, that's my problem too. And that's my family's problem and my neighbor's problem too. So how can we fix that together and not just fix it for our taxpayers and yet the rest of us still have to deal with delayed ambulances. So we've had um, issues like that that have come up that we all try to work at making it better. So the taxpayers are like, well, how can we help? And we're like, well, how can we help? Yeah, actually, let's work together and make sure the ambulance gets to all of us on time because it's hard hearing complaints from taxpayers when I have that same complaint too. So it's like, when we were able to come together and bring it to the top of the ambulance association and say, hey, here's the maps, you have them now, how can you get to all of us on the reserve in a timely manner? So I thought that was awesome. And that happened. That's been happening probably for the last two years. That is so great. I love that um, story. I mean, it's, it's just an example of what you're doing in your communities, trying to build these strong uh, local economies. And I uh, I'm sure that with the story that you just shared, that there are opportunities to build strong relationships with your taxpayers and to work together. So I'm just curious your experiences um, working with taxpayers on uh, initiatives and, and, and what are those things that you do to build stronger relationships with them? I think because we have such a variety of taxpayers, we have the elderly, we have disability, we have them living in the manufactured home parks all the way up until multi-million dollar homes. And so just having... The variety of taxpayers coming in where you have the the ones that are paying the highest and who complain about the $200 interest fee or penalty fee to the ones that come in and are only paying $350 a year who literally struggle with paying the $60 penalty. And it's like dealing with the variety of taxpayers and being able to adjust to every need and every issue and complaint. I think just letting them talk, even if it takes a half an hour to 45 minutes, if they feel like you've heard them, they're leaving a little bit happier. And so I think just being able to say, okay, well, how can we help you in that way? And okay, like what was mentioned earlier, hearing all the relationship issues, we've heard issues um, dealing with them like, my kid's here and my kid's here and my husband here and the neighbor's staring at me and it's like, oh my gosh. Um, well, sorry, your property taxes can't help that, but it's me just sitting here for 20 minutes is helping you leave better, then I think I've done my job. Yeah, I think just being able to, because again, we live all together in the same area and I see these taxpayers literally every single day waving at them and they're like, hey, it's like a joke now. We're in for our annual visit, but we see each other every single day on the road. So it's just 
being able to um, work that relationship up and yeah. Yeah. I don't think we've had any sort of major initiatives that we've had with our taxpayers that we've had to work with them or, you know, I mean, that ambulance story is great. Like that you were able to to do that. I mean, we have, um, one of the things that we kind of over the last, I would say even 10, yeah, 10 years, probably really working hard with the city of Chilliwack to have like a better relationship with them as well. So that, you know, when we're getting some new developments and we are getting addresses created uh, right from the get-go, from the beginning, and that's getting to BC ambulances, it's getting to the post office. We're working with, you know, we're working with them ahead of time and not sort of scrambling at the uh, uh, after the fact. Um, but again, like having sort of that open door, obviously COVID really affected things where we were closed and we didn't have offices, um, or we weren't on site in our office. Um, we've, you know, opened things up a little bit more so that people do come in. And I think they like, you know, especially some of the older seniors, they like to come in in person and meet with you. Um, it, you know, when it's not tax time, it's no problem. We, you know, we can meet with them and, and have that discussion, whatever the discussion might be, whether we can help them or not, or if it's tax related or not. Um, you know, I, I, you know, the biggest thing is just really educating them because to understand like what we can do and what their homeowners association is supposed to be doing and what we can't do. So there's a lot of, um, just educating and, and mis you know, because they have a misunderstanding of what it is that they, they can get from us. Um, you know, maybe it is their first time living in a gated community. And so they don't actually know the difference between, you know, the, the municipality and the homeowners association. Right. So there's, it's just really trying to understand that. I think just like, like Deanna just said, just listening to them, like, like listening to them. Um, and Carlene, actually, you know, like with regards to your ambulance for, for myself, I'm able to say like, I'm a taxpayer and, and I, I, I'm experiencing the same increase in my taxes as you are. And when I say that they, they go, oh, okay. You know, so they know that it's not just, um, them, but trying to relate to them or, or put like, put yourself in a similar situation and say, Hey, I've been here, I'm going through this, or I've been through this. And, and, uh, and they often will, you know, um, if you can, if they can relate to you, that relationship is being built. But um, most of them are are really, really great. Um, it's such a small percentage that's difficult, and and they're they're not. It's getting better, I guess. Um, one of the things we had to do a few years ago is we had to bring in. We did a like a town hall style meeting with all of the mobile homeowners to try to talk about why their taxes went up so much because their homes increased so much in value. And I think I really feel like that bridged a bit of a gap. I think that there were some that still left frustrated, but for the most part, I think it really improved the relationships that we had with most of them. Um, there's always going to be a few that, and it's just like in life, you're always going to have those people that are never happy, no matter what you say to them or tell them. And the same would go for the taxpayers. I mean, but, um, having that town hall, we had BC assessment come. Um, I believe, um, Deanna was there. Um, and was it Bill Dawson, Deanna? Yeah. And he, he talked about how their homes are assessed 
and, and we had a, like, it was a full house. And I think that was the, um, I find now we get, we've had nobody really complain about how much their taxes are since we had that meeting. So that was a, I think it was a win. One of the things that we used to do, even I mean, prior to COVID, everything is prior to COVID these days, but one of the things we did was um, we would have a um, an annual open house barbecue um, in the summer. And um, sometimes it, you know, was Indigenous Day or sometimes it was just like a random day in like July, August, where we'd have a barbecue. It was for Chiacton community members, but we actually ended up opening it up to the entire Chiacton community. So for non-members to come and we would have like information booths about, you know, the different departments of Chiacton and and maybe even like sub subgroups um, under like the Stolen Nation um, organization and you know, having information so that, and then we invited these, you know, the taxpayers to come and we would get quite a few people and it, it just kind of gave them an understanding as to what, what Chiacton is, what, where we are, you know, what do we do? How can we help you? And I think that was, that was great to, to see some of the, the taxpayers come out for that kind of, um, you know, in a very relaxed situation and, and just kind of, you know, get to know people and have them come out and, and see what Chapton's all about. So it was kind of nice. You know, hopefully we can get back to doing that again. Um, once, you know, things, uh, COVID kind of dies down, which is slowly dying down, but, you know, hopefully we can do that again. Yeah. This past year, actually, we've ha- I had um, an elder call in and said she had absolutely no way to make it to our office to pay for anything. Uh, she had no help, no family. She couldn't even drive. And I'm like, oh man, how how can I help? I told her I would go pick you up myself, but I think that I can't do that. <laughs> but I offered to um, get a cab to her, and unfortunately, she said she had no money to pay for the cab. And as I was talking to her on the phone, there was taxpayers that were already in the office, and and they asked me, well, where does she live? And I said Red Wing, and they go, well, we live there too. Like we'll go pick her up. Oh, and I told the lady on the phone, well, these other ladies here, they live where you live. And they said they would come pick you up. Can I give them your address? And she was like, oh my god, are you serious? Yes. Can you tell them give me fifteen minutes so I can at least get dressed? <laughs> yes, yeah, for sure. And so, um. The ladies, they went down and picked her up and probably about a half an hour later, all these ladies came back in and they're like, oh my gosh, we didn't even know we lived in the same place. I've never (laughs) seen her. And before they left the office, they were exchanging numbers between themselves and they were saying, thank you. Like we met new friends now. We didn't even know we lived in the same complex. So I think just seeing like human interaction like that, just that we... It was awesome to see that we were able to somehow play a part in that. Well, Carlene, I know I've heard stories from you about the the reaping the benefits of some of these good relationships through baked goods and knitting. And uh, I've listened to all of you share some of the things that you do to maintain contact with your taxpayers throughout the year. Um, the, the visits, the kind of in-person meetings, um, brochure, keeping the website update. You'll do a meeting or an all, like a kind of an open house uh, thing if you need to. So I'm curious if you do th- other things beyond that uh, throughout the year to maintain uh, communication. That's one of my questions. And then also with the visits, because they do sound time intensive, especially around time uh, tax season, just uh, how do you 
manage your time to be able to prioritize these face-to-face visits in and amongst all of your other um, duties, especially around tax season. So the two questions, what are those things that you do uh, to maintain communication with taxpayers? And then how do you fit those face-to-face meetings, which sound quite important uh, into your busy uh, work week? Well, hopefully these taxpayers will call ahead of time and make an appointment. (laughs) That would be the best scenario. Um, Luckily in my office, we have three of us who um, between the three of us could answer questions it's a, it, I, I don't think there's a good answer because you just do what you can, right? Um, if they just show up, the, you know, between the three of us, hopefully one of us can go down and answer and take the time to answer. If they set up a meeting, obviously that's, that's ideal because then, you know, we can schedule a, a time that would work um, best. People are getting a little better because they knew, know that our office was closed. We're also going through a whole construction of our new building. So they are calling, which is great um, that we can schedule some time instead of them just dropping in, but we definitely still get the drop in and it's, uh, you, you just do what you have to do. Right. Um, it is a little bit disruptive for sure. I think like with um, having the offices closed for COVID uh, we were able to, we, our, our reception, they basically said they're not on site. You have to phone the office and she would transfer them up to us because we were, we, we have so many, um, prior to COVID it was, it was really hard. Like, um, they would, if they get, if they sit down, if they actually get a chance to sit down in front of you, I found it really hard to say, okay, you got to go now because the next person is waiting. Right. Because, because for some, a lot of them, it was their social outing as well. Um, but since COVID, it definitely has been, I, I feel like we've become far more efficient because we've had the time because they're not coming in. We're not getting them in as much uh, to be able to process the tax payments. So when they do come in and they do want to talk to us, we have a little bit more time. If they do anything over the phone where it's like, oh, can I just come down right now? Um, we have a little bit better control of that. And we're able to say, actually, not right now, but if you can come this afternoon or tomorrow morning, we we can control our days a little more, which is nice. Um, but uh, prior to COVID, when, when it was, you know, the tax notices went out on June, June 1st, it was like, okay, Let's basically have an open slate for the month of June. You don't want to have any extra projects on your desk. You're, you're basically taxes were the main focus. The taxpayers are the main focus. Um, they're the ones that are coming in. And, you know, the office is like a revolving door all day long uh, in June. It's definitely lessened and they're just dropping them off now. We, we, we created a mail slot at the front door of the community hall. We still get a few. We had one that said, COVID is over. I want to come in. And so I went down and met with her, but she just wanted to sit down and come in. She wanted to talk to me about like the weather and she didn't, it wasn't that she necessarily really needed to see us. She just wanted a person and we're going to get some of those still, but we have been trying to encourage them to make appointments or call ahead just to make sure we're free. And I do say that to them. I say, you know what? You're really fortunate that I'm free right now. Um, our schedules are quite busy throughout the year. So, you know, in future, if you really want to see us, I would suggest making an appointment so that we are free to speak to you. Cause you might find you're going to come down here and we aren't going to be available. And and if I say it like that, then most of them are like, Oh yeah. Okay. That sounds good. And then they understand a little better that, you know, we're not just always right, right there right now for like available because we are doing other things as well. 
Yeah, I think for us, um, we're located in kind of a location where it's hard for our taxpayers to find because we're also not on Google Earth. So they get lost and they, they'll call me and they're like, uh, I'm way over here and I have no clue where I'm at. And I say, well, once you hit a dirt road, you're a little bit too far. Oh. And so, because <laughs> we do have cement on our reserve. So, um, I get a lot of them calling me and saying, and I offer, I will just stay on the phone with you until you get up here. And so usually, usually um, all of our taxpayers could probably get to our office within 10 minutes. So um, I'll stay on the phone with them. And by the time they get up to there, they're like, oh my God, thank you so much. I had so much anxiety. I can't even believe you stayed on the phone with me for the whole 10 minutes. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> like, it's not like a super huge rush to the doors. So, so it's like we're, we can't deny anybody or anything or cut their time short or whatever. So I'll take, if a taxpayer wants to come and they want to review the whole thing, I'll review the whole thing with them because that's them leaving, feeling happy and content and having a little more education to where they're going to go back and they're going to tell their neighbors and their neighbors and their neighbors. So I feel like I'm, I make those uh, wave impacts and it just helps the the location that they're at fully understand or not fully understand but understand a little bit better and so they're spreading the education that I'm teaching them so um, I I think it's part of my job where I have to take that time whether it's 10 minutes whether it's a half an hour to be able to um, educate them or tell a story or share a story with them because it's it's just part of building that relationship and it was me just me for a lot for about two years um and that was beyond overwhelming so luckily now I have an awesome tax clerk who just graduated the Tulo um this past year so her and I are able to um to handle the tax load and the taxpayers and they it's it's always our goal to make it a positive experience for them every single year so that we're lowering the the negative experiences, but yeah, that is true. I mean, I've had where, you know, another taxpayer has come and said, Oh, you know, my neighbor told me to, you know, that you would do this or, or whatever. So it is, you know, it's true. You spend time with one person because they are going to tell their friends or their neighbors, and then they're getting the right, hopefully the right information, or at least they know that they can call us, you know? Um, and, and so I think, you know, you're right. Yeah. You do have to spend the time and it can be, it can be challenging, you know, but it, it does definitely, it's just kind of what you have to do. It sounds like it's a really effective way to communicate that information. Um, and then, so my, the other question I asked is, was there anything else that you find effective that really works for getting that information to taxpayers beyond what we've already talked about? Well, like I said, I think us being sort of although it was reactive, but trying to be proactive with those new people moving in, having that information ahead of time. Because like Crystal said, when we send it with the tax notices, they just goes in the garbage. <laughs> so hopefully, you know, when they're first moving in, that's, um, and, and they're, but unfortunately those are just like the new, you know, the new sales, not necessarily like a resale. Uh, you know, we used to, um, and again, pre-COVID, we would have um, an information session with realtors, with the local realtors. And we actually, um, the, the real estate board in Chilliwack 
used it as like um, a training where like the realtors got like points or credits or whatever for, for um, education. So they would, we would do like a, um, an information session about Chiacton. So like, how does it work to, you know, the leases and the subleases and the taxes and the whole, really the whole process of selling on reserve. And so having that information session with the realtors so that they're able to have the right information when they're selling the homes that was also really helpful. And we did that like sort of every couple of years, you know, and as part of, like I said, part of their realtor education credits that they would get. And I think, you know, that's something that I would think we should start up again because there's a lot of new realtors, a lot of new construction um, here. And I think that was, um, was really helpful. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, we usually order a huge bulk order of pens with our email address and our website on the pens, and our taxpayers love them. Like they literally make it a point to come in and say, "Where's my new pen?" Yes, (laughs) they do. This this pen lasted me all year, and I'm here to come get my new pen, and they literally enjoy it. So every year we'll order a new color and they'll show us all the other colors of the previous year. And they're like, <laughs> we love this pen. And, and I think even just keeping that relationship going because we all live in the same community, the same reserve and just seeing them outside of the work hours and seeing that, Oh, they're human. They're not just a taxpayer and I'm human. I'm not just a tax administrator. And they see me with my kids and they've seen me when I was pregnant at work and they're like, how, how old are your kids now? How big are they? And, it's just like a little more of that human to human interaction helps. That sounds so great. That's a great tip um, with Penn with your contact information. Thank you all for joining us today and for sharing some of your stories and your experiences. It's been really great to listen to how you manage your uh, communications with your taxpayers and the, the results of the efforts that you put in. So thank you again um, and have a great day. Thanks. 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 That brings us to the end of this episode. Next month, we'll continue this conversation on taxpayer communications and relationships with new guests. Please watch for details on that in the next few weeks. If you like this episode and you'd like to join us as a guest on the show or you have ideas for future topics we should be covering, let us know. You can connect with us on social media at Tulo Center. That's T-U-L-O-C-E-N-T-R-E. Till next time.